1: Happy Wednesday, football fans, and welcome in to another edition of the Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Sines, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, I discuss the latest developments of the NFL playoff picture and their implications. The Steelers beat the Patriots for the first time in seven years to keep their division lead and snap their three game skid. While the mood in the locker room is good after a hard fought victory, David DeCastro says they must maintain playoff intensity as they look to fend off Baltimore for the division crown.
0: I think it's good. I think it's one of those things where we even, even beating those guys and we haven't been able to beat them in a long time. It's, it's feel good, but nothing. But not overjoyed. We're like, alright, we gotta go. I mean, Baltimore's hard on the tail and we know it's close.
1: The Eagles kept their playoff hopes alive by pulling off a stunning upset in L.A. with Nick Foles back under center. If Philadelphia wants to sneak into the postseason, they must finish strong, and that's something Malcolm Jenkins addressed the team about after their win. Playing as a team, all three phases—that's what we're gonna need every week. Now, put your mind to it, and that that's how it's gotta be. We're gonna have more fun than anybody in this league, man. Every week, man, it's starting practice. The Vikings regained momentum on offense by hanging 41 points on the Dolphins on Sunday. Dalvin Cook exploded for 163 yards and two touchdowns, and he credited new offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski for keeping Miami off balance with his play selection.
0: Like I said yesterday, Coach defense. He dialed up, yeah, they kept him off balance. We tempoed him. You know, we pounded the ball. We threw the ball. We just kept him off balance. You know, like he said, they didn't really know what we was gonna do.
1: I will discuss all that and more coming up in the latest episode of the Chase Podcast. The Fall is another production of the Chase Podcast, covering the latest news and analysis for... Wednesday, December 19th, on the Chase Podcast. Isaac signs coming to you live on another midweek edition of the Pro Football Chase Podcast. I thank you again for joining me for today. NFL playoff picture is the topic today as we enter week number 16 now again can't believe that we're already at this point in the season but things are heating up in the afc and nfc now fyi for those of you who do not know there is no more thursday night football as That wrapped up with the Chargers and Chiefs going toe-to-toe in that AFC West battle. So I do not have a game preview for you today, but I do have some more NFL playoff talk coming. And that's exactly what I want to dive into. Now there is a couple of main storylines that happened in week number 15. And just to keep you up to date on them... But the first one, obviously, the Steelers and the Eagles, they turned it around and both got big time victories to keep their playoff situation alive. Now, the Steelers, who had not beaten the Patriots in their last five meetings, finally took down Goliath. They got the run game going. No James Conner, no problem. Jalen Samuels and Steven Ridley, who had been outspoken about how his former team treated him after he tore his ACL. They both combined for 158 rush yards on 25 carries with a 6.3 average, which was incredible. They dominated the time possession. Their defense that had been leaking up to that game Held Tom Brady under 20 points. And Mike Tomlin notched yet another signature victory in front of his home fans. And then the Eagles. There you have it. Turning to Nick Foles again. Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles. And this was a game that was an absolute stunner. I don't think many NFL fans, other than Eagles fans... Thought their team had a chance against the Los Angeles Rams on the road, knowing the circumstances that the Rams are coming off an ugly loss to the Chicago Bears where their offense had been shut down. And people like myself thought, well, they're returning home to California. They're back in their environment in front of those fans. Todd Gurley's gonna get going eventually. Jared Goff is gonna flip the switch after two bad outings. Sean McVeigh, the offensive wizard. This is an Eagles secondary that is banged up. The list went on and on and on, but at the end of the day, the Eagles, they looked a lot like that 2017 Super Bowl squad, playing with a high level of energy. The underdog mentality. They went in and snatched a victory in Hollywood that left the entire league shook. There's no other way around it. Outside of that interception to to Tlaib, Foles was 15 of 16 for 158 yards after that bad play. Clearly outdueling the struggling Jared Goff in the process. The Rams had a late rally, but the Eagles, they hung on. And all of a sudden, at 7-7, seven seven, they're a game back of the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East. They'll host the Houston Texans. So maybe some mojo starting to catch on to the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll see if it stands as they host a very good team. How about the other storyline, Lamar Jackson? Is this guy a cool cat or what? This is a guy that entered and took over a reeling Baltimore squad that was 4-5. and John Harbaugh, his name was in the news, not for the right reasons, as many people speculated his job security. Coming in question with GM in waiting, Eric DaCosta waiting in the wings to take over and potentially hire a new head coach of his own that can help develop Lamar Jackson some more. But all that has been put in the back burner because under Jackson... This Ravens team is 4-1 in their last five games. They're 8-6, and six, currently the sixth seed in the AFC Conference. And get this, no quarterback in NFL history has ever rushed for 70-plus yards in five straight games before. Well, Jackson did just that in those five starts, carrying the ball 26-11, 17-14, and 18 times in those games and the effect he's having is being felt everywhere on offense. The Ravens are averaging 4.9 yards per carry in Jackson's time as the starter after averaging 3.6 yards per carry in their first nine games with Joe Flacco at the helm. Baltimore has 1,152 yards rushing on 234 carries over the last five weeks. How about another one here? Change certainly helped the Vikings, and it did a world of good for a Vikings team that is really loaded on both sides of the ball. They were underachieving. They fired John DiFilippo, who was viewed as one of the hottest head coaching candidates entering the 2019 offseason Clearly, he and Mike Zimmer did not see eye to eye. They were not a fit after that atrocious offensive performance in Seattle. DiFilippo was shown the door, and rising quarterbacks coach Kevin Stefanski took over the reins as interim offensive coordinator. And boy, was it a breath of fresh air for Minnesota fans. The Vikings hung 41 points, which was a season-high 17 more than any of their previous six games under DiFilippo, and they throttled the Miami Dolphins 41 to 17. Their 418 yards from scrimmage was their third most this year, eclipsed only by their totals in losses to the Rams and Saints. And how about this? Their 220 yards on the ground were 134 yards clear of their season average. In fact, they'd only gone over 100 yards rushing as a team on three separate occasions before Sunday. So this was a team that really had no balance to their attack. And Mike Zimmer consistently would say that in his press conferences that he wasn't sure why they were getting away from Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray. But they finally have a couple of offensive linemen fully healthy. Stefanski is now calling the plays and the Vikings all of a sudden look like a playoff contender again and still holding on to a spot there in the NFC with two weeks to play. So now let's go to move to the current NFL playoff picture entering week number 16. In the AFC, there was a clear change at the top as far as first round by the Kansas City Chiefs. They're holding on to that number one seed and home field advantage. However, they did collapse last Thursday night. They lost to the L.A. Chargers. But they still retain the inside track to that number one seed because of their division record, which is 4-1. and one. It's better than the Chargers' 3-2 mark. So, therefore, they control their own destiny to hold on to home field advantage throughout the playoffs, provided that they don't have any slip-ups That would open up the door for Los Angeles to take over, which would drop Kansas City dramatically to the fifth seed, which would be a stunner for Andy Reid's squad. But here's the major change here, and it comes at the number two seat. The Houston Texans, who improved to 10-4 after a gritty victory over the New York Jets, It was not a gimme by any means. Sam Darnold actually put together, I think, his most impressive outing of the season. But Houston, as they've done for much of this season, they found a way to come out on top. And now they're in prime position to hang on to that two-seat and have a first-round bye. They reached 10 wins for the first time since Bill O'Brien was named head coach several years ago. And this is in large part to... The New England Patriots dropping their consecutive game to the Pittsburgh Steelers coming off that Miami Miracle loss and many people penciled in Bill Belichick and Brady to go into Heinz Field and win a game because the general saying goes, well, New England doesn't lose in December. Well, I actually picked the Steelers to win this game and they came out on top and all of a sudden It's got people concerned about New England. Hey, this doesn't look like the same Patriots team we're accustomed to seeing. Tom Brady, has he finally hit a wall in his career where he's, quote unquote, falling off a cliff? A lot of questions going on in Foxborough. They have five losses, which is something that is a rarity for New England. Of the 15 times Bill Belichick and co. have reached the postseason since 2001, They've only failed to get a bye three times and have had one since 2009. So that just shows you how this New England team consistently dominates the AFC. But this year, it could be a different situation for this prestigious Patriots franchise, as the Texans have said step aside, will gladly take that number two seed. And I'm sure they're sending thank you cards to the Steelers in the mail for their victory over New England. Now at the four seed is the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are 8-5-1. Just mention it, huge victory for them on Sunday, which snapped that three-game losing streak. They're still the AFC North leader, half a game ahead of those Baltimore Ravens. Who are, by the way, still not out of contention to win the division title. So the Steelers, they do control their own destiny as well. But they have a couple of matchups up ahead, including a difficult task in New Orleans on Sunday. So if you're the Ravens, who, by the way, they got to go play a hot Chargers team on Saturday night. If they can find a way... To win that game and hope that the Saints can topple Pittsburgh at home, they will have the division lead entering Week 17 over the Pittsburgh Steelers as they drop to 8-6-1, and and the Ravens would improve to 9-6. So that is a development there in the AFC North. It is not over by any means. However, if you're Pittsburgh, you have to be content with that victory, and... Feel optimistic about their ability to go on the road and take on a Saints team that really has not looked the same since that 13-10 loss to the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday night. They're at the five seed. Speaking of those Chargers, which is bizarre, knowing that an 11-3 team is sitting as the five seed in the AFC, but. One thing is certain, they are playoff bound, which will be their first time back in the playoffs since 2013 when they were still in San Diego. They'll host the Ravens on Saturday, and beating them would keep the pressure on Kansas City, whose next game is in Seattle on Sunday night. So the Chargers, they got a lot to play for. Yes, they already Clinch the playoff berth. Yes, they're in the dance. Yes, they've compiled back to back impressive victories on the road without key players such as Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, their two leading running backs. Yes, Rivers has done that with a pair of rookie running backs. But this team, they're still surging. They're still getting healthier. Joey Bosa continues to work his way back. Melvin Ingram, Derwin James making a case to be the defensive rookie of the year. This is a huge game on Saturday night in L.A. at the StubHub Stadium. Now, the question is, will they pack it out? Because attendance has struggled there for the Chargers this season. And, boy, would it be an interesting thing if StubHub Stadium serves as a home field to a unit that has a first-round buy. The NFL would have never imagined that. But that is very well in the mix. Now, number six, the Baltimore Ravens. Talked about them already. 8-6, 8-6, Lamar Jackson, he is the man there in Baltimore, Joe Flacco the backup, and as long as they finish out the season with the same record as say Indianapolis who's sitting right there as a 7 seed, Baltimore would hang on to that spot because they have a better AFC record at 6-4, which is a shade better than what Indianapolis has compiled at 6-5, so the Ravens They, too, control their own destiny as long as they can get the job done these next couple of weeks, which is their big test against L.A. They will be postseason bound under John Harbaugh. And then let's go to the 7-8 seeds. The Colts at 7, 8-6. Titans at 8 with an 8-6 record. The Colts, I don't know if there's a more dangerous team than Indianapolis at this point in the season They've won six of their last seven games after getting off to that one in five start under first year head coach Frank Reich. And I got to tell you what, I know there's a lot of candidates for coach of the year, but I think you got to throw in Frank Reich's name in there. Just what he's been able to do with a team that is the youngest unit in the NFL. Andrew Luck coming back from a shoulder injury, a lot of questions about the type of production he was going to put. On display this year, a defense that has plenty of unproven players, rookies, Darius Leonard, the way they've been able to rally in battle after an ugly 1-5 start. And many people, yes, they know the potential is there in Indianapolis, but they are way ahead of schedule. And if this Colts team finds a way into the playoffs. I think Frank Reich... That's just going to solidify his case as the coach of the year. So watch out. They're coming off a 23-0 drubbing over the Dallas Cowboys, which was a squad that entered week number 15 on a five-game win streak. They were the talk of the league. They basically hit them in the mouth every single play. This Colts offensive line, I think they're the best in the NFL They continue to prove week in and week out that they can keep Andrew Luck standing upright. Marlon Mack had a big game on the ground against a Dallas defense that has been stingy in that category this year. They are the real deal. They beat two Texas teams in back-to-back weeks, went into Houston, snapped their nine-game winning streak. Be careful because if you have to play Indianapolis In the first round, I would be genuinely scared to face them at that point of the year. Now, the Titans, they're too very much alive in this. They'll host the Washington Redskins on a Saturday game. Josh Johnson's under center, so you figure Tennessee's in good position to come away with the win. Although, you know, the Redskins, despite having half their starters on injured reserve, they're still out there fighting for Jay Gruden's job. And plus, by the way, technically, they're still in the hunt in the NFC East. So they cannot be taken lightly, in other words. And then the big game is they'll host Indianapolis, which could be a play-in game for the playoffs. We'll just have to wait and see what happens with Baltimore. But the Titans, they're on a streak of their own since their bye week. They're 5-2. and two. They're playing excellent football. And then the 9-10 seeds, Miami Dolphins and Cleveland Browns, those two teams... Their odds at the playoffs are dwindling as we speak. But the Browns, the arrow is clearly pointing upward. This is a unit with Freddie Kitchens that has done a phenomenal job. Baker Mayfield, they got their sixth win on Saturday night over the Broncos. Now we'll move to the NFC here. Let's take a look. Number one seed, the New Orleans Saints. They're now 12-2. They beat the Carolina Panthers on Monday Night Football. Now that was a game that Carolina had many opportunities to take just considering the defensive performance they put out there that really shut down Drew Brees. And you know what? I mentioned it a little while ago, but this Saints offense has not looked as lethal in previous weeks. And I think teams are starting to understand If we can completely take away Michael Thomas and find a way to to bottle up that two-headed backfield of Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, chances are you're going to make Drew Brees have to go at Traquan Smith and Benjamin Watson and Austin Carr, unproven wideouts. So yes, Drew Brees has proven that he can win with those guys and he could still be a dangerous quarterback that can shred you for 300 yards and three touchdowns. But if you're taking away their impact playmakers, and this is why it was such a big deal for New Orleans to go out and get a compatible number two wideout that can still be viewed as a threat for opposing defenses because Michael Thomas, his production has dipped off here in the second half of the season. Defenses are starting to double him over the top put a safety floating around the area of him and drew Brees knows that now and every time he looks michael thomas's way he's got two or three guys in the area so he's having to go to the check downs or he's having to force throws down the field in tight windows and then defenses, i think all around are just getting their hands up at the line of scrimmage and saying hey If we can corral Drew Brees in the pocket, fluster him a little bit, hit him, not necessarily sack him, but as long as we're a consistent presence, he's going to get disturbed, and that's something that has proven to be right up to this point. So the Saints, yes, they're winning. They're finding ways to win. The defense has improved dramatically. How about Eli Apple, the corner they acquired from the Giants at the trade deadline The first couple games in black and gold, many people were scratching their heads saying, look, this guy is still the same corner that gets burned every single week and is called for multiple holding penalties, but he's been stellar the last couple of games and made a big game-changing interception in Carolina. So if there's one positive to build off for New Orleans is that their defense with Cam Jordan leading the way, that could help them, especially, obviously, as they control their own destiny for that number one seed. And that means that the entire NFC is going to have to go play at the Mercedes Superdome, which is not a fun time for teams that have had that experience playing in front of that ruckus crowd. So the Saints clearly in the driver's seat for that number one seed after the Rams, who are the two seed, have taken a major step back and they faltered the last couple of weeks of play. They're now 11-3. Now, it's hard to sit here and really ooze concerns about Sean McVay's team. When you got 11 wins and 3 losses, you know, people, this is the NFL. I mean, this is a pretty darn good season. But I think the concern stems from the last two weeks, really the last three weeks. Yes, they beat the Detroit Lions, but that was a game that really should have been a blowout in the Rams' favor But their offense is starting to show some discrepancies and there hasn't been a whole lot of fluidity as far as Jared Goff operating as that quarterback where you go back all the way into the first month of the season when they hosted the Minnesota Vikings on Thursday Night Football and you saw Jared Goff dropping dimes over the middle, over the top of defenders. This guy was looking like the MVP front runner for a while, but all of a sudden his production has not been very good. He looks panicky in the pocket. Poor pocket awareness. You saw that turnover he made against the Philadelphia Eagles where he basically gave the ball to the Eagles when he was getting sacked. Not a very good judgment play there from Goff. And I understand he lost his number one slot wideout in Cooper Cup. And so they've been looking at Josh Reynolds. But his accuracy has not been there for Jared Goff. And... Maybe some defenses are coming out with a little bit more of an aggressive approach, and they're starting to figure out Sean McVay a little bit. So he needs to go to the drawing board. Their offense needs to go to the drawing board. They have two very weak opponents to close out the season. They must use those two games as polish-up opportunities for the playoffs because I got to tell you, If they still struggle going up against Arizona and San Francisco, who are three and four win teams respectively, then I think that Rams fans have something to be very concerned about. Because with that type of effort, you're not going to beat a wildcard team, even though they'll be hosting a playoff game. You know, you saw those Philadelphia Eagles fans take over the Coliseum on Sunday night. So yes, to the NFC West champions, but they're three and three after that eight and start, and another loss would give the Bears an opportunity to pass them for a first round bye. So be cautious. Los Angeles Rams they're holding on to the two seed for now but the Chicago Bears are right behind them and that segues me to them there they've clinched the NFC North they finally beat the Green Bay Packers on Sunday a lot of people were holding their breath as Aaron Rodgers took Soldier Field a lot of doubt going on there in Chicago about whether they could fend off number 12, but this is a huge turnaround for the Chicago Bears. First division title since 2010, and this means that for the 15th time in the past 16 NFL seasons, at least one team has gone from worst to first after a last-place finish in the previous year, so something special. Speaking of Coach of the Year, Matt Nagy's got to be the front-runner, what he's been able to come in and do with Mitchell Trubisky. Yes, he's had games where he's been very inconsistent, but for the most part, Trubisky has looked like a different quarterback. Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen, the involvement. While, yes, there's been times where they have ditched the run game and it's hurt them, right, but at the same time, this is a very creative offense where you're seeing all kinds of looks being thrown at you as a defense. And then, of course, Vic Vangio, the guy has been incredible with what he's been able to do with the talent that he has there in the Windy City. Khalil Mack obviously being the impact player that he is, Leonard Floyd. And how about a big year from Kyle Fuller, who they were able to sign to a big year extension last offseason Chicago, they are a dangerous team, and as a three seed, right now they're slated to play in the wild card, but whichever team that they'd have to host, you don't like their chances because right now they are beating teams on offense and defense. They're a physical bunch that comes up and hits you in the mouth, and they got the home field advantage there at Soldier Field. It's a time of the year where the temperatures are dropping in the 20s, so A lot going the Bears' way at this point in the season. So I got to say, Chicago, was a team that I sat here in the preseason and said, yes, I acknowledge the talent and potential that they have. But I thought they were still a year or two away from just getting into the playoffs. But they came out and won the division in Nagy's first year. So they deserve a lot of credit. Now sitting at the 4C, the Dallas Cowboys, 8-6, the NFC East leader. They have not clinched the division yet. While the chances of that happening are still significant, there's still a little bit of angst building there in Dallas as they were absolutely blown out on the road in Indianapolis and are now below 500 against teams with a winning record this year. And that's why many people question what exactly... This Cowboys team is, we know they're a young unit on both sides of the ball. Dak Prescott is probably one of the most scrutinized figures in the NFL. One week he's got people backing him. Another week he's got critics calling for his job saying he's not cut out to be a starting NFL quarterback. They blew a chance to clinch the vision and end it there on Sunday and could have locked themselves into a wild card matchup, but now Philadelphia and Washington—they both got a victory. Dallas, offensively, they were able to move the ball down the field, but they stalled in the red zone, which was an area of weakness when they were three and five coming out of their bye week were one of the worst teams in offensive efficiency. Their offensive line was banged up. Defensively, they did not look like that same group that played hungry with a chip on their shoulder. That offensive line from Indianapolis basically blew. That defensive line 2 or 3 yards off the line of scrimmage, it seemed like every run play. So right now, Dallas, their egos are bruised pretty significantly. But good news for Dallas is now they host a 5-9 and nine Buccaneers team that has not won a road game under Jameis Winston being the starting quarterback. But they still do have the number one total offense. So this Cowboys defense does not wake up. This game could be a lot closer than what it should be. Dallas still like their chances to hold off and win that division 5C, the Seattle Seahawks, who are 8-6 as well. Just a week ago, Dallas and Seattle, they look like, hey, man, these two teams are on winning streaks. They look dangerous. Watch out. But just like that, Seattle, they drop a big-time loss there in San Francisco. Boy, was Richard Sherman happy. He beats his old squad in overtime. Big game-winning field goal. Seattle looked all out of sorts on defense. They saw Bradley McDougal, their starting safety, go down offensively. They were able to get Chris Carson going and went over 100 yards in that regard. But the passing game was off for a large part of that game, which... Doesn't bode well for a team that's looking to solidify themselves as playoff contenders. With all that being said, just like the Dallas Cowboys, the Seahawks are still in very good shape to clinch a playoff berth here in the next couple of weeks. It's not going to get any easier as they host Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night. They are home at CenturyLink Field in a hostile environment you got to like their chances maybe to pull off an upset because while their defense does rank 20th in the NFL in defending the pass, it just seems like they play with that edge with the 12th man behind them. Now, the Minnesota Vikings were at the 6th seed, 7-6-1 and one under Stefanski. They looked unstoppable against Miami. If they can take care of business, they'll get themselves into the playoffs. And this is a unit that I wouldn't want to face because when they're playing up to their potential, Minnesota, these guys have the DNA to make a deep playoff push. Now, the question is which Kirk Cousins is going to show up because it seems like in primetime games and big games against big-time opponents, Kirk Cousins does not show up. He's getting paid a lot of money. Three years, $84 million fully guaranteed. But Minnesota, I think the fans, they finally could breathe after their performance on Sunday. A lot of people were furious over the fact that they could not get a first down with Cousins under center, Dalvin Cook, Thielen Diggs, but they're back on track, and that big-time victory could do wonders for the morale of their locker room and coaching staff. Now, the 7-8 and eight seeds here, Philadelphia and Washington, who are both 7-7. Seven and seven. Philadelphia will host the Houston Texans on Sunday, Washington will go on the road to play the Titans on Saturday. So both of these teams, in order for them to have a chance at still winning this NFC East, that's still there for the taking. They got to win out and get some help from Dallas. They're still alive. Yes, Philadelphia, I think that's a team you got to look at with Nick Foles. And all of a sudden, people are starting to call, hey, the the Foles magic is now alive in the city of brotherly love. We'll see because I don't think it's out of the question them beating houston who's been very inconsistent they'll be playing in philadelphia you know the lincoln financial field is going to be rocking so do not discount philadelphia and if they can find a way to win these last couple of games and get to nine and seven you may hope that minnesota can get upset by one of these division opponents because they'll have to play detroit on the road and then they'll have to host the chicago bears so minnesota they're not a lock to win out that means philadelphia could get back into the playoffs with Nick Foles, so we'll see what happens there. And as for the Panthers, who are the ninth seed, they're 6-8 and eight out of the playoffs. They needed to win that game, so they're no longer a factor. So there's the NFL playoff picture. Plenty to dive into. Now, the playoffs started today, just to give you an idea. Kansas City and Houston would be on first round buys and in the wild card round, it would be six seed Baltimore at number three, New England, and five seed Chargers at number four, Pittsburgh. So again, crazy that an 11-3 team would have a road playoff game to start. The playoffs, but that's just the way the system works. And then in the NFC, New Orleans would have a first-round bye along with the Los Angeles Rams, and the wild card round would look like number six, Minnesota at three, Chicago, and then five Seattle at four Dallas. So both of those matchups would be rematches of this season as Dallas traveled to Seattle earlier in the year. They lost. And then, of course, Minnesota and Chicago, since they are NFC North division rivals, they see each other two times a year. So this would be the third matchup between both sides. So there you have it, just a look there at the recent developments of the NFL playoff picture. I wanted to bring that to you since there is no Thursday night football game. I will be back here on Friday to give you a preview of week 16 slate of games here on the Pro Football Chase podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to tune in and I will see you then. Have a great rest of the afternoon and God bless.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels.